you're all very welcome tonight to the last night of our mission here and it's really been a thoroughly enjoyable mission. We just want to thank the Reverend Harris uh, for leading us in the mission and also for the choir and for Margaret playing tonight and also throughout the mission for the AV team, we better not forget them as well for all the work they've put in for all the audiovisual as well. And for Colin as well, every night Colin's been thanking me for singing, so thank you Colin for singing as well. And uh, so tonight we're going to start off by singing um, There is a Higher Throne. And remember that God reigns in the glory of his heaven and, um, and it is to him that we must come and approach with humility and faith. Folks, the second piece we're going to sing is um, All Heaven Declares. Probably you should all know this one as well. And in heaven, Jesus is praised perfectly. And here on earth, we, we want to join that company and with our imperfections, but yet heartfelt praise to God. So let's lift our voices, sing this one out really well. All Heaven Declares. 
summer's singing just uh, to begin with is Holy Spirit living breath of God and our prayer is that the Holy Spirit may come upon us and prepare us for what God has to say to us this evening.
friends. Again, lovely to add to Heather and Colin's welcome uh, tonight. It's really good to see you as we gather in for the last uh, evening of our mission. If you'd be able to be here all four evenings or have watched it online, you know that we began by looking about the cost of our salvation and then the payment, how that was won by Jesus. And last night we looked at the cross. And tonight we look at the resurrection from the, from the end to the beginning, the cross to the resurrection. And so we come to stand to sing our opening prayers, just standing together, see what a morning. Mark's going to come and lead us to God's throne in prayer. Let's come together in prayer and let's pray. Father, we humbly bow before you now in complete recognition that you are the God of all creation. You are the one 
to create this world and all that is in it from absolutely nothing. The greatest mountains to the deepest trenches, trenches of the ocean. At your word, the stars were set perfectly in the place. You expertly crafted each valley and lake and stream. And by your command, the sun and the moon and the planets travel in their courses. And in all creation, we see life, we see order, we see consistency, and we see you. You are the God of all history. You are the God of those men we read of in scripture, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. You're the God who has been faithful to your people in all generations, even showing mercy to those who are your enemies. You're the God of the present. Each moment that we live, we know we are being upheld by your power. Each breath is given by you, even to those who live to slight and dishonor you, such is your grace. And you're the God of the future. For all creation is rapidly approaching the date and time when all tribes and tongues and nations will fall at your feet. When we will see the King coming in all of his glory. And such thoughts cause us to be in complete awe. That the God of eternity would have anything to do with us at all. For we are but dust. And you are eternal, majestic and unchangeable. Father, it causes us to come now in honest confession. For all of us have sinned in thought and word indeed, even since we left this meeting house last night. We have each given in to temptations. Many of us have put anything and everything before you. We recognize that we are frail and prone to wonder. Each of us grappling with his or her own struggles and temptations. And we truly are like sheep who go astray. And we are in need of a mighty shepherd. But that is why we're here. For we are assured of the love of our God. We are assured of your patience, kindness and goodness. We are convinced that forgiveness comes only at the feet of Jesus. And so we come to that place now. To seek reassurance, comfort and rest from our daily battles. Father, we must also come in thanks that you have put us in this place, in this country. We thank you for the blessing it is to know that we can come and worship without fear or persecution or even worse. We thank you for the opportunity to do something like this, to run a mission, to invite friends and family and loved ones to hear the truth of your word. Thank you most of all for the message, the gospel message, the message of Christ, the message that has the power to change lives and change hearts. And we thank you for the Reverend Harris as he has come each evening to open that word to us. We are truly thankful for his ministry to us, of course, not just in the past few days, but as a faithful and supportive convener of this church. And so we ask that you will bless him as he continues that role and as he preaches this evening. But Father, we need you to work in this place tonight. We need to bring this service before you in prayer or else all of our work would be completely in vain. 
ask you now to open hearts to the truth that will be studied in a few moments. May people truly see Jesus, the risen, conquering Son of God, for who he truly is. And in this day and age, we know people who are genuinely struggling, even in a well-off country like ours, they're struggling to pay bills, to pay for food, for shelter, for clothing. Money worries are driving people to the brink. But we're promised such riches in Christ. Many are left wondering, will they even have a house to live in very shortly? But we have a home on high. Many are lonely, on their own and struggling to get through each new day. Without the help and support of family or friends, we have a heavenly father and a family of believers the world over. Many even are faced with illness. A once strong body is now frail and weak. Health, whether physical or mental, is a real worry for the weeks and months ahead. And some illnesses may even lead to death. But we believe in a resurrection. For we know the one who died and rose again. So many doubts and worries and questions. But all are answered in our Saviour, the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the Most High. The man, Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that all those who are gathered in this evening might lay those worries and doubts at the foot of the cross and that they might ask the questions and find the answer. Let everyone see he is our Lord and mighty deliverer, even from death itself. Father, save some by the word that goes forth this evening, we pray, and strengthen others in their faith to go out and be mighty ambassadors for you. We lay the rest of this service before you now. May you soften our hearts and make them ready to receive your powerful and mighty word. We ask these things in the name of the eternal Son of God, our Lord and Saviour, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Mark, for leading us in prayer. Friends, we invite Heather and Colin to come. Um, they're going to sing a duet. There shall be showers of blessing. And then Heather to sing a solo, a quieter piece, Breathe on Me Breath of God. So showers of blessing, this song just reminds us that God has promised to shower um, the faithful with his blessings and it's based on Ezekiel 34 verse 26. Shall be shall 
Thanks to Colin and to Heather for bringing those lovely pieces to us to enrich our time and to help us in our worship as we echoed those words in our minds and hearts. Friend, we, friends, we come to our, our last in our look at the end of Mark's gospel. And we read tonight from Mark chapter uh, 15 at verse 37, reading through to chapter 16, verse 7. Last night we finished at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. And we pick up that reading just at the very end, Mark 15 at verse 37. We hear God's word. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry, he said, and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they made their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. and They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he has told you. Ending there at verse 7. In chapter 16. Friends, God has written his word naturally very carefully. And he bears a witness to all that he wants us to know. There is so much more we could know. But all we need to know is found in the pages of Scripture. Jesus was crucified on the Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Passover. Sorry, day before the Sabbath. And on that day, the Sabbath begins at 6 o'clock in the evening and goes right through until 6 o'clock the following evening. So when Jesus was crucified and died just about shortly after uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour 
as the Jews would have determined the time. There was only a short time between that and six o'clock when all work must cease. So Joseph of Arimathea, who had been seeking the kingdom of God, he was a member of the council, and he was one who asked for the body of Pilate the body of Pilate, the body of Jesus. Here we see not only Joseph of Arimathea, but we see Pilate involved giving the authority. We see the the centurion confirming that Jesus had died. And we find Jesus taken down from the cross and placed in the tomb. In 12 lines of the scriptures over the end of chapter 15 and into chapter 16, we see three occasions where the women are mentioned as witnesses. Now, this might be something that we would just simply notice and, and forget about. But there's a, a Greek philosopher called Celsus. He lived in the early third century. And he wrote works against Christianity and the faith, especially against a man called Origen, who was a a church leader, a bishop in uh, Alexandria in Egypt. And he'd been writing, defending the faith. And Celsus had been criticizing uh, and undermining what Oregon was doing. And in one of the writings of Celsus, he writes this. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because I'm not saying this. So just in case you only pick up the end of this. Celsus said, wrote, he said, Christianity cannot be true because the main witnesses to this claimed resurrection are women. And we know that women are hysterical. Celsus maybe was a very brave man in his own household, I don't know. But do you see the point? If Mark and the other gospel writers wanted to contrive a story or to declare something that hadn't happened, a resurrection, they would not have written that the main witnesses were nearly all women. The women were there and the women saw what they saw. And God, in his purposes, had them see and report that first note and declaration of the resurrection of Jesus. When we read the scriptures, friends, we are not only to try to understand what they are saying, but also what they're saying to us. Here, God has declared his truth. And 
what was it that the angel said to the women? How were they to go and approach the disciples? I wonder if it had been you or me who had been let down by the disciples. What might we have said? Go and tell those faithful, faithless cards, those who'd let me down, that I'd be willing to meet with them again. But they must come with great apologies on their lips. Is that what we might have thought? The disciples had deserted Jesus. They had left him alone. He faced Caiaphas and Pilate. He faced execution. Only John was at the foot of the cross. What might Jesus have said? Yes, I'm willing to meet with them. They were faithless and cowardly. But make sure they come with suitable apology. Of course not. Jesus said, I want to see them. I'll be waiting for them. I want them to come. And I wonder how we apply this to our own lives. Are you a person who has heard the gospel many, many times? And you've maybe been moved by the Spirit. And you know there's that drawing there. And you know that you need to surrender your heart to Jesus. But you haven't done that. Maybe there's fear of what someone at work may say if you said that you'd put your faith in Jesus. Maybe a member of your family. Maybe the, the circle of friends you have. What would they say? And sometimes, friends, what the devil does with that is he just keeps eating away at your lack of faith, your lack of courage, your lack of honesty to yourself, your lack of commitment and your lack of surrender. And in your own mind, you say, well, Jesus doesn't really want me now. The disciples had left him and he suffered alone. But here the first message he has for them is, I want you. I'll be waiting for you. I want you to come. Maybe Jesus is saying that to you tonight. Where you've spurned opportunity to surrender your heart to him. Don't think that there's not a welcome there. Any person can come to Jesus as he is offered in the gospel. And the offer in the gospel is to everyone who will come in repentance and faith. And by the grace of God through his spirit, he can be speaking to your heart right now. He can say, I want you to come. I'm waiting for you.
I want you to come. When the disciples heard the words of the woman, I'm sure they felt ashamed. They were certainly confused. They still just couldn't believe that Jesus was alive. And it really wasn't until they saw him that they knew and they could truly surrender their hearts to him. He is risen. But what was Jesus like? If we time to read through uh, Luke 24, verses 36 to 46, we would have a picture of Jesus risen from the dead. The two had gone home on that Easter Sunday morning, Cleopas and his companion going to Emmaus about eight miles away. They'd been followers of Jesus. They had known that he'd been arrested and brutalized and crucified and dead and buried. And they were going home disappointed because they had followed him and they'd expected him to bring in an eternal kingdom and all seemed lost. What had been the point? They'd even felt let down having followed him. And on that road, Jesus appeared and they hadn't noticed. They were so distraught. And as Jesus began to walk along with them, he began to ask them, why are you sad? And they said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? And they speak about what happened to Jesus. Jesus walked on with them and because of his conversation with them, though they didn't recognize him, they felt an affinity with them and they, he, they asked him to stay with them and have a meal. Jesus ate with them, and when he broke the bread, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They said to one another, weren't our hearts burning within us while he walked with us on the road? Now they knew why. Because the Savior had been walking with them. I don't know about you, but I'm not overly fit now. And if I'd been in Emmaus and needed to make my way back to Jerusalem, some eight miles, I'd have run a bit and got a stitch in my side and stopped and walked a bit and run a bit and got a stitch in the other side perhaps and... Uh, Panting and gasping, I would have got to the upper room and banged on the door. The disciples were there. They were frightened. That first Easter Sunday evening, the door was locked. They probably needed to hear who was on the outside before they would open it. And as soon as the two came in, Jesus appeared. Not going through a door or through a window, just appearing. No doubt they were panting and sweating after that eight-mile jog, walk, whatever it was. 
but not so Jesus. They thought they'd seen a ghost as Jesus spoke to them. But he said, touch me and see. I'm not a ghost. He asked for a piece of fish and they gave it to him and he ate it. Jesus' resurrection body was the same, but yet it was gloriously transformed. How was it that he could just appear and disappear? Long time since I've been in school, but we know that the shortest distance between uh, two points is a straight line. Shortest distance between one forefinger and the other forefinger is about maybe seven inches. Sorry to the choir, they can't see this. About seven inches. But that's in two dimensions. What's the shortest distance now? When we put it in three dimensions. It's not six or seven inches. It's almost nothing. What about a fourth dimension? What about a fifth dimension? The world beyond the world that we see is the world where God dwells. We live in three dimensions. God lives beyond time and space. And when Jesus was risen from the dead, he had a a gloriously incorruptible body. And today in heaven, Jesus retains that humanity glorified. We have a man in heaven. And he looks the same as the man who stood before the disciples that evening. Unchanging and incorruptible. The same, yet gloriously transformed. The same Jesus, but with new and unspeakable properties. He is risen. He is glorified. And he is our guarantor. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. We know that. Our flesh and blood, we are decaying as we sit, as we stand in God's presence tonight. But with resurrection, we will decay no more. We will be incorruptible. 1 John 3 verse 2, John says, We do not know what we will be, but we know this. When we see him, we will be like him. Because we will see him as he is. This glorious resurrection body, the body of Jesus, the first fruit of heaven, a man who will live forever, God in our flesh, and we will follow him on that resurrection day. When he returns. Friends. This is the faith. This is what we are taught. Jesus appeared and disappeared. Yet he wasn't a ghost. 
He had spiritual substance. There's a physical element to Jesus. He is not simply God in heaven, but he is God and man in heaven. And doesn't that, in a sense, answer many of our fears? What will heaven be like? What happens when a person dies and their separated soul from body? Will there ever be a, a uniting again? Will we just be spirits in the ether? No. On the resurrection day, Jesus will bring every redeemed soul with him and he will encapsulate each soul with a new body, a body that he will raise for them. And it will be the same, yet gloriously new. And so we'll be recognizable. We'll know one another in the glory. We'll know our friends who believe we'll know them in the glory. We'll know our loved ones in the glory. How crucial it is that we have a faith, a faith in Jesus, that all that God has promised will be truly and unchangeably ours in Christ. I'm sure you know the, she's not a young girl now, but she was when she had her accident, age 17, Joni Eckerson. She had a riding accident and was, became a paraplegic, uh, paralyzed from the neck down. But she was a Christian young girl. And as her faith grew, she was enabled to go to many conferences and to become a conference speaker all over the world, declaring her faith in God's goodness to her. She once was at a conference. She wasn't the speaker, but she was there in her wheelchair. And the conference speaker asked everyone just to get onto their knees. And as an act of humility before God and to pray. And she, of course, had to sit in her wheelchair. And she was crying. And someone beside her spoke to her and said, Are you crying because you can't walk? And she says, No. I'm crying because I can't kneel. And then in one of her books, she wrote, first thing I hope to do with my resurrected legs in the glory is to kneel at the feet of Jesus. In the glory, if people can't see on earth, their eyes will be open in heaven. If they can't hear on earth, their ears will be open in heaven. If they can't walk on earth, their legs will be powered in heaven. There'll be no sadness or sickness or trouble or worry. It will be perfect. Because God is purposing this. 
it will be an unspeakable place. Friend, have you come in your heart to this Jesus? Because he says, I want you to come. I'm waiting for you to come. Will you come? One last thought on that resurrection evening when Jesus appeared to his disciples. No doubt they looked on his face and were amazed to see him and hear him. But no doubt they would have looked further to his hands and his feet and seen the wounds. Those wounds that they had thought three days before were their disgrace and their loss. The promise wasn't going to happen. The kingdom wasn't going to come. The leader was dead. That which was to their ruin they now knew to be their salvation. Friends, through faith, we will see Jesus. We will be in the glory with him. And we will look on his face. But I'm sure we'll also look at his hands and his feet and see those marks and we will reflect on just how much he loves us. The cost of salvation we looked at on Thursday evening, it would cost Jesus everything to bring salvation to us. On Friday, the payment that that cost brought, because God is loving and just, he cannot love us and reject the honor of his justice. Both must come together, and the only place is at the cross where he punishes Jesus that he might love us. The payment, an eternal debt paid by Jesus upon the cross. Last night we looked at the cross itself and what that meant for Jesus to pay that eternal debt. Tonight, it's the new beginning. He is risen. Victory is accomplished. The body he has is the body he retains. And the body he has will be like the body we will have. He alone is God. But we will be perfected in our flesh. And will dwell with him. And reign with him forever. This is the Jesus we need to meet. Let's come, friends, and pray together.
Our Father, we bless you for the truth of the Scriptures. We bless you that your love was such that you sent your only Son into the world to take our place in life, to be righteous as we ought to be before God, but also to take our place in death, to pay the eternal debt we owe due to our sins. And Lord, we bless you that the resurrection declares his victory and his transformed body declares the fulfillment of the promise of resurrection for us. And so, Lord, we pray that your Spirit may touch each of our minds, that our understanding might be true and right in these matters. But more than that, Lord, that you'll go into our hearts, and there you'll make them hearts of flesh that we will not only be willing to, but that we will want Jesus within us. That we will come as the gospel dictates, a repentance of heart and a faith of heart, turning away from our sins and trusting in Christ alone. And Lord, the deep in the soul we will have that peace that is eternal. Lord, if you've been speaking to a soul or souls tonight, grant them that God-given courage to declare their faith, to know that they are translated into the kingdom of God with a personal trust in Jesus. Part of God's family. A family that he will never lose one member from. For each has eternal life. Hear our prayer. Bless our heart. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Friends, before we sing our closing praise, just to let you know that we have no expenses in our mission uh, this week, and all offering goes to Ukraine to help the folk there. To date, over the three evenings, £525 has been given, and whatever is given tonight, that will be added to that total, and it will all be going to the work uh, of, uh, of uh, Christian people uh, reaching out in Ukraine. Friends, thank you for your attendance over the time of mission. It's been lovely to be here and to seek to open up God's word uh, for us and tea, coffee, refreshments are available in the hall afterwards, please do plan to stay. And if anyone would like to speak to me, I'll be around. 
uh, and please feel free to have a word with me. Friends, we'll stand to sing our closing praise, O oh, to see the dawn.
we bless you for your presence with us. We pray that your spirit may strive with us. We pray, O God, as we stand together in this building, we will all stand together on that day when Jesus returns, when we will see him as he is, and we will have power and ability to praise him as we ought. Hear our prayer. May you be honored in our hearts tonight. For Jesus' sake. Amen.